You're listening to the Trusting the God of the Gospel podcast created to help parents disciple their adopted or foster teenagers. Here are your hosts, Arthur C. Woods and Elizabeth Joy Woods. Well, welcome back to episode number two. Number two, Liz Woods. I'm here, and I'm here for number two. Number two of the Trusting the God of the Gospel podcast. And if you were here for with us for episode one, well, thank you. Thank you for coming back. And if this is your first time listening to us... Uh, then where the heck were you? Yeah, where were you last time? No, actually, we'd encourage you, actually, if this is the first time you're, you're listening, to maybe go back and listen to that first episode, because we do lay some... Uh, some groundwork that uh, I think will help you understand where the rest of our conversations are going. But uh, yeah, I'm here joined with my co-host, <laughs> the lovely, the talented Elizabeth Joy Woods, who also happens to be my wife. Mm, very lucky man. That um, title that I have, lovely and talented, has been around for years, and I just want everyone to know I didn't give it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I I used to be a uh, youth pastor, and years ago I used to introduce... Liz as uh, the lovely and talented and the title kind of stuck. stuck. Yeah. But I'll take it. It's not a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. I like it too. I don't have a title, so I just go by Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry about that. We'll work on that for you. But regardless, yeah. So today uh, we're going to be talking about this idea of God is our father. But before we do that, we thought we should just take uh, just a couple minutes and review where we were last time especially for those people who are not going to go back and listen to the first episode. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, really what we talked about is uh, just some groundwork, uh, some foundational stuff to get us to the conversation today. One of the things we talked about is the idea of mentorship versus discipleship and discipleship being all about Jesus. And when we're talking about discipleship in this podcast, we're talking about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're talking about the uh, forever spiritual development of us and our relationship with Christ and the restoration of us to Him. So that's totally different than mentorship on how to manage your money or how to get through a situation or how to apply for a job or get through college or whatever. So we're really talking about Jesus-focused conversations. Exactly. And then we talked about what is unique about teenage discipleship. And we said everything would be. Everything is unique about teenage discipleship, but we talked about identity. We talked about the fact that they don't uh, necessarily want to embrace the religion of their parents that they grew up with. And then, uh, then we even got more specific and said, well, what's unique about the discipleship of adopted and foster teenagers? And for those of us who are in the orphan care world or in the, you know, foster care adopted world, we know that. We know that answer would be the past trauma that our kids have very likely experienced. And that's anything from abandonment, neglect, abuse, loss, just the severe grief of the history of their story can be overwhelming at times and definitely change the lens that they um, need to be discipled through. Yeah, and I think it's it's all about trauma. You're right. The what makes a, a discipleship unique for adopted and foster teenagers trauma keeps them from trusting. So how can we get to a point where our foster care and adopted teenagers are going to trust the God of the gospel? 
Yeah, exactly. And that's where trauma-informed discipleship comes into play. We talked about that last time, that trauma-informed discipleship is this idea of really looking at discipleship through the lens of trauma, always hearing about trauma-informed classes and and trauma-informed counseling. This is trauma-informed discipleship as we talk to our adopted and foster teenagers about the gospel. Right. And the gospel is, just final point, God restoring his creation back to himself. The story started in Genesis, and it's still being written out today. We know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, and he rose again, and that is the good news of the gospel of Christ. But uh, not all the revelations have been revealed yet. So we are still living in that gospel story here and now. Sure. So that's where we were last time. We went through that really quickly. Um, But uh, we would again suggest that you just uh, go back, listen to that first episode, make sure you uh, didn't catch any any, uh, foundational material that we covered last time. But today, what do you want? You want to talk about something today? Some new stuff? Yeah. Some new content, as they say? (laughs) Well, uh, today we're going to talk about the concept of God is our Father. In fact, in the book of Psalms, verse 68 verse 5. I'm sorry, chapter chapter 68. Chapter 68, verse 5. David refers to God as a father to the fatherless. And I love that. There's so many different titles of of God and ways of thinking of God, but without a doubt, my favorite way to look at God is that of my father. He's a father to the fatherless, and I just love that. Yeah, I do too. I think it's... it's, um really telling of how you and I grew up because we yep. both think of God as our father. And that's both, for both of us, it's a very, very good thing. Yep. As a matter of fact, how would you describe your father if you just could use one word descriptions of your oh, father? Oh, I thought I was going to get several to describe him. <laughs> um, security. Dad is secure, but also lover- loving. Um, but I, I know I can abide in him. I always uh, think of abiding and, and abiding in your father in our heavenly father as I thought of it when I was a little girl, just in my daddy's arm, on his lap, always secure, always protected, have everything I need, warm, comfortable, didn't have a care in the world. How would you describe your dad? Um, yeah, I think for me also a lot of good words come to mind. Uh, certainly faithful. He was in the ministry for a uh, couple decades. Uh, he was loving. Um, he always uh, was there for myself, for my brother, for my sister, and for my mom. And uh, uh, even going back to faithful, he was always very faithful and is, continues to be very faithful to his wife and uh, extremely intelligent. He's uh, one of the smartest people I know and knows his Bible inside and out, (laughs) which is really cool. I'm kind of jealous of that. But uh, yeah, words that I would use are are all positive. And it sounds like the words you would use to describe your dad are also positive. Yeah, I definitely have to say that describing my dad just feels like home. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. If I had to pick one word, it would just say home. Dad is home base for me. So now we need to kind of reverse that and ask the the question, what do our adopted and foster teenagers, <laughs> what, are, what are their thoughts about their biological parents, their biological father? What words might they use? And I'm not even just talking about uh, the foster kids that you and I have, but what words do you think your teenager might use uh, to describe their biological father? Yeah, the funny thing about that is that if I ask this question of the children that we've had in our life, they would they would all say good things. And um, they would say good things, but know some not good things. 
Right. And the not good things, they almost want to protect their, their bio dads from the words that are not good things. So what I think is really interesting is the word that I would use to describe my children's vision of their biological father or their perception of their bio dad is possibly somewhat um, disturbed, like unfounded, like not sure. Like they don't know all the time what a great dad should be. Yeah, and I think that's that's part of the problem that we're going to talk about here in a second. I think some of the the words that come to mind for a lot of these kids that have gone through trauma when they think of their earthly father, their bio dad, unfortunately words like abusive or mean or absent um, might come into... Or angry. Angry. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. And that's tough because you and I both had good fathers and we have nothing but positive words to say about our fathers, but think about being from their perspective and suddenly they're using words that, uh, they're using words to describe their father that we certainly would not care to use regarding our fathers. Right. And then you, then you tell them, okay, um, God is your father. And they're supposed to just embrace that, you know, based on their trauma, based on their past, they may not be able to embrace the idea that God is their father, or at least not embrace that easily. Yes. Or they may be embracing a, um, a different version of God as their father than we are com- trying to communicate to them. Right. So what we're communicating is not what they're hearing, even though we're saying, you know, what we're saying what we want to say, they're not hearing what we want them to hear. Yeah, that's exactly right. For, for example, if you grew up with a very angry father, and then you hear that God is your father, well, you think, well, God must be an angry God, he must be an angry father the way my father was angry. Or authoritative or, you know, always on demand or whatever it might be. Right. So we want to give you three ways uh, to begin helping your adopted and foster teenager begin embracing God as father in a positive way. So these are are three separate ways that I think uh, will at least get you started, at least uh, help your teenager as you work, work with them to begin embracing God as their father. Um, so here's number one. Do you, as an, do you as a parent embrace God as your father? In other words, if we're talking about having the teenagers embrace God, it's super important that we as parents are also embracing God as our father. So are we doing that? Yeah, I think that's amazing. Um, you know, when Christ gave us the Lord's Prayer, he stated our Heavenly Father. And I think that that statement out of his lips probably shocked the disciples that surrounded him because they thought of God as a God of fear and a God to reverend, and he is all those things. But for Jesus to have such a close, intimate, personal relationship with God as a father and son uh, probably shocked them. But it's it's uh, something that we can obviously mirror and um, follow in his, he said, when you pray like this, or when you pray, this is how you should pray. So we definitely need to mirror that. Yeah. Um, in fact, that really kind of takes us to number two, uh, begin addressing God as Father in your prayers. And like you said, at the uh, um, at the Lord's Prayer that many of us have memorized, the very first words we know are, Our Father. Right. Jesus re- pray to God as his father, as an example for us to follow. So I think we need to ask ourselves as parents, yeah, number one, do we embrace God as our father? But number two, maybe a good thing for us to do and and a good thing for us to encourage our teenagers to do is to begin addressing God as father in your prayers, dear father, our father. 
and not that there's anything wrong with the the way many of us have done it. Sometimes we open our prayers as dear Lord or dear God or dear Jesus. Right. That's fine. But uh, what if we are intentional about really actually addressing him as father? As father, yeah. So here would be the, the third one. Um, and this is this is the one where I sp- want to spend just uh, a few extra moments on to make sure we, we get this. Think of this analogy, this analogy of God being our father as a contrasting analogy, not a comparative analogy. I think that's so key. Yeah. So I think the way most of, it look, most of us look at it is that we hear that God is our father and we compare that with our earthly father. And for many of us, that's okay. I'm, I'm okay with, uh, with that analogy. I, I know that our parents obviously aren't perfect. We're not saying that. Right. But I'm okay with that comparison that uh, God is my father and that is that is similar to how my earthly father is my father. Right. But if I've been traumatized as a result of my father, if I have deeply rooted negative feelings about my father, I don't want to hear that somehow God compares to my father. So we have to look at it as an analogy of contrast. And so we work with the the teenagers to say, okay, so this is how your earthly father was. This was the experience you had with your biological father. And now we're going to contrast that with what God is saying he is. And we look at the 1 Corinthians 13 definition of love and say, this is how God is a father and this is how he loves you. Yeah, I think that's phenomenal in the sense that that is true agape love. And no no earthly father is ever going to compare to to Christ and to God and his love for us. But that is the agape love that truly is what fatherhood is, what that relationship should be, what that relationship um, in its perfection is defined by. Yeah. So that's it. So I think that's a big one right there, is to look at the analogy of God being our father as a contrast, not a comparison. Right. For many of us, comparison, that's fine. But for our adopted and our foster kids that come from trauma, let's look at that as a contrast. Talk to them about how God is their father, unlike any father they've ever had, and contrast that with their earthly father. Now, just a warning here, you don't want to completely throw the biological you know, parents under the bus. You don't want to vilify their earthly father. They they still are, you know, uh, our teenagers' biological father, and we don't want to uh, uh, completely throw them under the bus, but we can have an honest discussion with our teenagers about how perhaps their biological father is not uh, the same as the way that God is our father. And if I could just take that thought just a little bit more personal to our listeners, you know, there's nothing like vulnerability and acknowledging your own faults as a parent that allow your kids to almost trust you more. Right. So if you said, yeah, this got messed up in your story or in your history, and I really messed this up too, I didn't do a good job here or here, and I'm really sorry about that, what else is going to open the floodgates for vulnerability and trust and the true relational growth that you want to see with your kids um, other than being vulnerable with them and apologizing to them? They will respect you for being willing to do that. So yes. We absolutely do not, we also need to contrast ourselves to God, who is the perfect father. Right. So those are the three, three ways to kind of help you, uh, uh, help your adopted and foster teenager begin embracing God as father. Number one, do you as a parent embrace God as your father? Um, If you're going to encourage your teenager to do so, we as parents also need to make sure that we're truly, fully embracing God as our father. Number two, 
try addressing God as Father in your prayers. Jesus did it. It's a good example for us to follow. It's a good example for our teenagers to follow. And number three, think of this analogy of God being our Father as a contrasting analogy, not a comparative analogy as it relates to our traumatized teenagers. And then I think that that kind of wraps that part of the conversation up, but uh, I would encourage you guys, if you're not already, just pray for your kids. We, uh, we want to be partners with you in that prayer, that we as parents will have wisdom to know how to parent the hearts and help heal the hearts that have been entrusted to us. And the one thing that the Bible always says that we'll get when we ask for is wisdom. So I'd encourage you to pray to our Heavenly Father for the wisdom that you need to better parent the children that He's entrusted to you at this time in your life. I know that He'll give that to you, and I hope that this podcast and this curriculum might be just a little bit of that wisdom that comes into your life and can help you shepherd the children that God has in your home and in your life at this time. Yeah, I agree. And uh, one of the Bible's promises is that if we pray for wisdom, God will provide it. And I have relied on that promise many times over the uh, the past couple years as we've gone through our own adoption journeys, and God has provided wisdom every single time. It's not always exactly what I want, <laughs> but uh, He does provide the wisdom, and He, uh, he is a good God, and makes sure that uh, His children are taken care of, and He gives us the responsibility to also take care of our children, our teenagers. So there we go. That is... Uh, Episode number two, Trusting the God of the Gospel. I hope it was helpful to you. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks so much. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Today's episode was brought to you by the Trusting the God of the Gospel video series. For more information on this powerful discipleship resource for adopted and foster teenagers, visit trustingthegodofthegospel.com forward slash shop. If you found today's content valuable, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information on your hosts, Arthur and Elizabeth, please visit them at arthurcwoods.com or elizabethjoywoods.com. Thanks for listening to the Trusting the God of the Gospel podcast.